Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. My name is Caleb Mason, and I am so grateful that you have decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me in the Learner's Corner. And today, I am honored to be joined by Matt Michelados and Kathy Kong to talk with them about their recent book, Loving Disagreement, Fighting for Community Through the Holy Spirit. And if you've been listening to the Learner's Corner for a while, you know that that's one of the things that we try to do here on the podcast is create a safe place to have difficult conversations. We want to create a place to where we can learn from each other, even though we may not agree with each other, that there's something that we can learn from anyone and, and from everyone, and that there's something we can learn from anything and from everything. Everyone has something to teach us and we can learn something from everything. And if you are on that journey of lifelong learning, please subscribe to my Substack, to where I give different recommendations for some of the best things that I am currently learning from. And it could be anything from a YouTube video to a song, to a book, to a movie, to a TV show, a podcast, whatever it may be. It is just something that is making me think and uh, provoking my curiosity and engaging uh, my wonder as well. Now... I was really looking forward to this conversation just because of the topic and any time that someone writes or uh, speaks about or has ideas about how to better engage in conversations to where we disagree. I'm always going to be intrigued by that and very much looking forward to bringing this conversation to you. But let me tell you a little bit about Matt and Kathy and then we will jump into the conversation. So Matt Michelados is an author and screenwriter who lives near Portland, Oregon with his wife, three daughters, and a giant rabbit named Bruce. And Kathy Kong is a writer, speaker, and yoga teacher. She is the author of Raise Your Voice, Why We Stay Silent, and How to Speak Up, and a contributing author in More Than Serving Tea and Voices of Lament. And her next book is obviously uh, this one which is released and she is the co-host of the fascinating podcast and began her writing career as a new newspaper reporter in green bay and milwaukee wisconsin and without any further wait here is my conversation with them well matt and kathy it is great to have you both on the learner's corner podcast today glad to be here Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Caleb. Yeah. And you have both co-authored this book, Loving Disagreement. And, you know, one of the places that I love beginning conversations about um, works of art is I love hearing this the, kind of the origin story behind it. <laughs> and so I would love to hear from, from both of you of kind of like this idea around loving disagreement, how you started thinking about it yourselves and then how you both decided to come together and work on this as well. And Kathy, maybe yeah. you can get us started and then Matt can kind of tell his his side or his version of the story. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, we like to say that this is a book that almost didn't happen mm -hmm. um, because of good intentions and how we think we understand one another and uh, think we understand our friends and so um, this book, as an initial idea, had actually come to Matt. And I can let Matt tell the details of that. But at some point, it 
became an idea of a co-authored book and my name came up as a possible co-author. And because Matt and I are friends and we've podcasted together for a number of years, and I had also kind of complained and shared my woe about the state of Christian publishing and how I was feeling in that space, um, that I didn't know if I had any more words to say or words to write publicly and share and publish in that traditional way. Um, and so I think initially, with all good intentions, Matt was going to say no on my behalf. And then I'll let Matt pick up the story from there. <laughs> yeah, I was I was really wrestling with, like Kathy said, it, it was with good intention, but I was going to answer for her uh, because she had kind of told me, I'm not sure I want to, I'm not sure. She didn't say I won't. She said, I'm not sure that I want to do more books in this space or when, or, you know, like that kind of thing. And so I was talking to Kathy and I's mutual good friend, J.R. Forresteros, and I was telling him like, eh, here's where I am. Here's what I'm thinking. And he essentially said, and J.R. is not a guy to like mince words. He just said, Kathy is an adult human being who can make decisions for herself. Why would you not tell her? Like, why would you make this decision for her? I don't understand. And I was like, oh, okay. So right. Duh. Uh, so I called Kathy, assuming she would say no, which was still true. But Kathy thought about it, not for very long, as I recall, and, and was like, yeah, I would love to do this book with you. And I was shocked and delighted and then a little sheepish. Uh, I felt a little silly. Um, <laughs> but Kathy's been very kind and generous along the way about it. Um, but yeah, it was a good lesson for me of like uh, uh, not not making decisions for other people that aren't mine to make. Uh, even if I feel like I know them well enough to know what decision they'll make, it's still not my decision. Um, yeah. And as Kathy said, the book came to us, which is, is delightful when it happens. A publisher that I had worked with in the past had reached out and said, would you do a book on civility is, is what they originally pitched. And I told them at the time, and then Kathy and I told them together as well, we don't believe Christians are called to civility. Like one, it's about politeness, such a low bar. Uh, and two, there are times when civility gets in the way of doing things Christians are called to do. And we'd rather set the bar much higher and do a book about the fruit of the spirit, um, which they were excited about. But as we were talking about it, they said, you know, it would be great to get kind of different points of view coming together on this book. Uh, and they actually said, you know, who would be amazing is there's this woman named Kathy Kong that I don't know if we could get her, but she's so cool. She's amazing, insightful, love her presence online, like all these things. Our, uh, our editor, Caitlin, Kathy's shaking her head right now, but this is actually true. This is how it happened. And I, I can't remember if Caitlin knew that I knew Kathy or not, because I was like, I, obviously, I recognize who <laughs> Kathy is, but I was like, I know her. She's my friend. <laughs> I could actually reach out to her. But yeah, so that's that's how the book came to be. And we actually met with the publisher and said to them, we don't want to do a book on civility. We want to do something different. Uh, and they, to their credit, were like, yeah, we're excited about that book. Let's do it. Hmm. So that's how we that's how we got here. Yeah. And I, I do want to follow up on the civility piece, but I, I, ha I would regret it if I didn't say I love how you both structured the book too mm. in terms of mm. like it very again 
I'm just telling you, this is how it came across like reading from here. And you could tell me if this actually was how it played, but it looks like, cause you both take a chapter, like different chapters. Right. Yes. And it feels like that you, like one of you reads the chapter of the person who wrote the chapter, you give your notes or the things that stand mm-hmm. out. And then you have a, mm-hmm. a few pages conversation, which I, that's exactly right. Which, which is yep. awesome. I wish that more books would do stuff like that with the co-authorship. <laughs> That's, That's great. That's exactly what That's we did. That's great. Yeah. yeah, because we both have read books um, by co-authors or multiple authors. And one of the tricks with that is to kind of maintain each person's, each author's own voice and then not interrupt the reader, right? Like mm-hmm. I parentheses matt i parentheses kathy (laughs) right which which can work but we we wanted it to flow a little bit more and thanks to you know technology and google docs you can actually kind of engage in real time sort of um going back and forth and so we had thought about different ways to have those different points of view and additions, like maybe we do sidebars here. But in the end, we found that what you observed, Caleb, is correct. We realized, oh, we can actually do this. And then as long as we format that back and forth discussion very clearly, that's what it is. It's a conversation between two friends who look at things from a very different point of view um, or have arrived in similar opinions or places, but came at it from different places. Yeah. Well, it works great. So thank you for both of you. Thank you to both of you for for structuring in that way. Um, (laughs) Matt, I want to follow up on something that you mentioned about civility. And you mentioned because, you know, it's not it's not a shocker to anybody who's been paying attention. It's a we're living in very polarized times right now. It's easy right. to get in disagreements, easy to get in arguments. And one of the things that you feel like it would be natural to say is, well, we need more civility in that conversation or yeah. in these things. But you mentioned that sometimes civility can get in the way for those of us who are followers of Jesus. And mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit more about how that's so? Yeah, I think it's so interesting because, yeah, so civility is designed to help us have disagreements, but be polite to each other. That's what civility is, right? Um, so it, at its best, that's like politicians getting in a room and hammering out something they disagree on um, and coming to find a solution together. That's not bad. That's good. Um, civility can also be weaponized by people with power to harm people who don't. So we see this, uh, I mean, we see this all over the world where someone, let's you can make something up or use a real story, um, but it'd be like, uh, oh, you you can't object to the harm that you're receiving in that way. You can object to it, but you need to be polite when you object. Don't don't do a don't don't a bunch of you march around. That's really impolite. It hurts our feelings. Like do it a different way. Um, so we're always it, it's about the mode of your disagreement becomes impolite when and on issues of justice politeness may prevent you from moving toward justice. And as believers, we are called to be creating a world, a more just world, right? When we pray, your will be done on earth as in heaven. That's what we're saying. Make this place the way heaven would be, which means the way the world should be, which means justice. Um, so I think the <laughs> what some people hear, which is not what we're communicating, is 
it's okay to just be a jerk as long as you're saying something truthful. And that's not what we're saying either. There are times where you may need to be impolite, but I'm not saying, hey, at all times, just go around and say things in the worst possible way to everyone and upset and offend everyone. I don't think that's godly either. Um, so I don't know. Am I getting to your question there? I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily looking looking for a specific answer. I'm just more curious to hear your thoughts on it. And Kathy, if you have any thoughts on that, I'd love to hear them too. Yeah. And I think, well, and civility doesn't always end up with a loving disagreement. It doesn't always end up with a solution. Mm -hmm. It doesn't yeah, always true. help, you know, politicians get to a decision that represents yeah. and is a good one for constituents. Civility, I think, is like the lowest possible bar of like playing nice and being polite mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and actually can be very harmful not just in the in that sense of like one-on-one -on -one relationship but to ourselves right we don't mm. actually learn how to speak with love and truth we just shove it all down <laughs> and uh and i so i think again like matt said it's the lowest possible bar and it breaks our hearts to think that that is the bar that in some circles of faith we have now kind of resorted to and saying, let's, can we at least be civil? Like, <laughs> right. oh, come on. We're like grown adults. Can we be, <laughs> can we be better than just civil? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. As you were mentioning that, it makes me think of a line in the book in, uh, I think you say, or, you know, both of you or one of you says, truth telling is not one of the fruits of the spirit, which is such a very, it's a very provocative line too, because uh, just, yeah. I mean, in, in these conversations you think of um, whether there's like, I even, I think of like conspiracy theories or misinformation or anything like that. It's like, well, sure. what do we want? The truth, the truth, the truth is the most important thing in there, but I'd be just curious and Kathy, maybe you can get us started on that just about that that provocative idea of of truth telling and it is important but maybe it's not the most important and integrating that with the fruit of the spirit as well well so i come at it in part my background is as a newspaper reporter and journalist and so to say truth are we talking about truth or mm. are we talking about facts because mm. those are not always the same thing Right. So I, my emotions can be very true to the moment, but they're not actually based on facts. And I want to believe and still believe this is probably the most um, hopeful part of my personality <laughs> is that we can hold complexity and that we can wrestle with somebody can experience truth that is not the way I experience those same facts, right? And so that emotion, that experience is true for them. It is not true for me. And I think that is why we say, yeah, that's not the end all of the fruit of the spirit. It is holding intention, all of these things. So you can't have like, this fruit is actually better than the other one. So if I have to mm. be one or the other, it's it. that's not how it works. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the beauty and the complexity of that analogy and that uh, that 
way of thinking, not that line of thinking, but that way of thinking that Paul invites us to is that this is not just multiple fruits. This is the fruit of the spirit singular Mm. that takes on these different qualities. And how do we wrestle with all of them at once? That's what makes it so hard. And so, you know, to your point about conspiracy theories and, and, it, it is so hard because as I've read some of these theories, I can see how people experience that as being true. I really, mm-hmm. I really can. And yet we can't rely on that truth, right? We can't rely on just one person or a group of people's experience. How do we come alongside them, help all of us grow in empathy and good questions for one another so that we can have really important conversations that are not always disagreements, but they can be hard. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, I think too, what Paul is telling us in this, who wrote this section of scripture, right? Is that when you're in an argument, you can tell if you're coming into it empowered by the spirit or by something else, your flesh, your instincts. And he says the hallmarks are on the one side, fits of rage, anger, dissension, jealousy, like these things. And on the other side, we have the fruit of the spirit, which is love, peace, kindness, joy. Truth uh, is something that doesn't, truth in general, I'm not saying specific spiritual truths necessarily. Truth in general does not require the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Do you know what I mean? You can use truth as a weapon in a conversation that is not godly, that is not empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can use truth to create hatred. You can use truth to cause harm. Uh, And I think that may be why Paul didn't include it here. Because what he's saying is, hey, do you want to know if you're empowered by God in the midst of this conversation? Here's what you should be looking for. And unfortunately, in a lot of Christian circles right now, We've emphasized truth as the hallmark of being on God's side. And that's not what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches us that even Satan knows, right, what is true uh, and uses it and, and and trembles, yes. But uh, I think we've gotten to this place that we're like, well, if I have truth, that means I'm doing the right thing and I can harm people, I can destroy things, I can create dissension and jealousy and all these things using truth, but I'm still following God. But that is not what scripture teaches. Um, It's much harder to use gentleness or joy to harm someone in a a conversation. It it, it doesn't work very easily. (laughs) Not that I haven't tried. Right. We've all tried. <laughs> Deliver my anger with a smile. Oh boy. Yeah. I'm I'm really gonna kind these people yep. in this conversation. I'm gonna yep. get them. Oh. You know, that that makes me think of um another idea. And Kathy, I think you write about this. Um and I, I'd be I'd be curious to hear how from what we're talking about. Because, or let me, let me, I guess, say what the idea is. The idea is, is that you say we tend to think of love as restraint in these things. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do this thing. I'm going to hold back. I'm not going to speak that way. I'm not going to say those words. But talk to me 
first of all, you know, you can you can expound on the idea from there about uh, what what love actually looks like. But even talk to me about what we've been talking about with the tr- with the truth, too, and like how to use truth well and not just well. I'm going to hold back my truth or my opinion um, in, in a loving, kind way and, and restrain myself in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's so complex. I'm trying to think of a way um, or an illustration. So I have been uh, sort of watching from another room. <laughs> My family's been watching the show, The Bear. Yeah. And I yeah. found it very stressful, very stressful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there is a mother matriarch character who clearly has a lot of things going on emotionally, <laughs> mentally. But there was a scene in an episode where she is watching something happening, something very good. She's invited in and she says, no, I can't. I want to let them have this thing. And then she says, I don't know how to apologize. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh, if she could only find a way to communicate that truth in a Mm -hmm. loving, kind, generous, patient, self-controlled way. But because she has all of these issues and she knows she has not worked through them, she opts not to enter in. She opts not to go in because she doesn't know how to celebrate something good. She doesn't know how to say, I don't know how to say, I'm sorry. I don't know how to celebrate with you. And that, like, I have been sitting with that for days. I think sometimes we lead with, uh, I'm going to be fully myself. And you would enter in, that mother matriarch figure would enter in and just explode and say, I'm carrying in my truth. But really what it is, is she can't. And in that moment, she Mm -hmm. is doing the best she can. And so she says with all of her love, she lives and speaks her truth. That isn't always what we think loving is, right? Mm -hmm. Why didn't she go in? She's the mother. She should be able to celebrate. She should tamp everything down and just go, which could end up her losing control. And I thought, oh, wow, that that is not the example I would automatically go to. Mm. But I've been sitting with that in this day and age where we feel very free to um, jump on a stranger's Twitter X thread thread Mm, and mm. share our opinions, to mm-hmm. comment on a post, um, to explode in our truth without interrogating what it is and why. And that character showed the kind of love and patience and self-control that she could not in previous episodes. I think that's what... I think of as speaking truth in love. It Mm. isn't always confrontational. Sometimes it does mean not engaging. And it also means that you're doing some internal work of how your um, interaction impacts the community, impacts the whole.
It's really good. Do you have anything you want to add to what Kathy Kathy's was saying? Really, Kathy's really smart, <laughs> as I think is what I want to say. Um, yeah, I think our picture of what is loving, well, it's just confused a lot of times, right? Like there are times where speaking a hard truth is loving. There are times when being patient with someone that is not in a place to hear a hard truth is loving. And so much of it has to do with the context and the relationship and the, all these other things. Um, and I, I mean, I think as pa parents, right, Kathy and I are both parents. This is something you think about all the time, right? How do I, I love my kid. How do I help them in this or that thing? And there, there's a different answer when they're three years old or when they're 20. Um, and I, I think that's confusing for people. We want love to have a very clear, here's the two things you do, and that's loving. Um, but I think sometimes we're not always sure. Um, and I think in the context of loving disagreement, for me, sometimes what I have to ask myself is, so uh, Kathy's example of someone on Twitter is saying something ignorant, and I'm going to come in and correct them. For me, what's important is to check my own heart and say, why am I doing this now? Because a lot of times it's not because I'm experiencing a feeling of love toward this person. It's, <laughs> oh man, I've got the best zinger right now that is really going to make them look dumb, which uh, is, it's hard to stretch to a place of imagining that is loving. Um, I'm sure we could find our way to make an excuse for that, but uh, yeah, probably not. Well Often, though, it is, right? It's that kind of response that we say, oh, it's it's loving because it's correction or we're speaking right. truth Which is to so, them. Oh, right? that is but just so us making nice. up excuses, though, right? It's, oh, yeah, absolutely. No, because the feeling in my heart is absolutely, <laughs> oh, I want to lovingly correct them. Oh, why am I not sending them a DM? Why do I don't even know who they are. It's some dude right. with a little, like, question mark as an, or he has a picture of Brad Pitt and... His name is like uh, here for the fight one seven two seven three nine 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 four, and it's like it could be my cousin for all I know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Were you gonna uh, say something or add something, Kathy? No. So we've we've um, talked about this a little bit, but I'd be curious to hear from the both of you of whenever it comes to disagreements and handling them. Um, lovingly or in a way that uh, aligns with the fruit of the spirit what's one one way that you just see us that we tend to get wrong about it or like what's one like trap or pitfall or something like that that you just see and it's like wow over and over again i just either in yourself you're like wow i keep falling for this or you just see this um over and over again and you know whoever whoever has one you know come to mind first you can you can get it started so this is the problem of writing a book about the fruit of the spirit <laughs> is that Matt and I have said over and over while we were writing, as we were getting ready to publish, like, oh gosh, people are going to ask us about our own lives and mm -hmm. we're still figuring this out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the reality. Um, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it, it's so hard it is so hard you know i not to belabor the whole like truth and love thing um but it definitely is one that i get hooked by 
it is an emotional hook for me in part because my personality and way with words, I can be quick to act, mm. slow to think. And I can come up with those zingers and feel really good about myself. Um, and, and even in those zingers, be able to communicate some sort of truth there. Uh, but I have found and I have been told by people I love deeply that my words can be very, very hurtful. Mm. Um, even though it's in the context of a relationship, whether it's my husband or my children or close friends, that sometimes the speed of my wit overrides and overruns any love that might already be clearly established. <laughs> and and so I think um, for me, it has meant leaning into other fruit, that patience and self-control, which is really hard for me, um, and slowing down and saying that I don't have to be the first or funniest comment. Um, I don't have to respond right away and that the most loving, patient, kind, good, self-controlled response that is fully loving is to say, I need 10 minutes hmm. to calm down and figure out what's happening in all of my emotions and in my body. I'm not leaving the conversation. I just need a beat. And that for me has, that continues to be really hard. I think culture, our culture and society move really fast. And so we feel yeah. like these disagreements can be solved pretty quickly. And so um, I, I'm learning, I'm still learning ways to communicate to my friends and to my family. My silence isn't uh, disconnect. It's not anger. It's like, I'm trying to figure out how to respond and what's the best way to respond? So if if you're okay, can can I have a little bit of time? But I'm still committed to this topic, issue, um, disagreement, and relationship. Yeah, I I think Matt? related to that to that time piece is I think we think that we should be able to sit down and have a disagreement with someone on any topic, no matter how difficult. And in half an hour have discovered that we're in the same place or that we need to cut off relationship because the other person is intractable and won't listen to truth. And I, the more, I, this is almost never true. Uh, it's so rarely true unless what you're disagreeing about is that one of you is missing a piece of information. Right. But, uh, I think about in the church right now, we're fighting about so many topics that are complicated, that affect people's lives, that are difficult, that some of them are systemic. And we're thinking that, oh, we'll, we'll do a, a weekend conference and at the end we'll find the answer. And that's just not the case. This could be decades of hard work ahead of us. But what's happening is people are going, well, we talked once and it didn't really work. So I guess I'm right and you're wrong. And I'll write a book about how I'm right and you're wrong. And you can write your book about how you're right and I'm wrong. And my people will read my book and your people will read your book. 
and we'll just keep moving further and further away from each other. And that that's not loving disagreement that I, I don't even know. I don't even know if that's a conversation like, uh, yeah, so fascinating, but yeah, this idea. And I think Kathy already said this, that our culture pushes on us the speed with which mm-hmm. we're expected to come to agreement Uh, Even Paul in scripture, right, says, uh, if you disagree on this, I trust the Holy Spirit will make it clear to you. There are times where it's just like, let's walk away and you know Jesus and I know Jesus and let's trust that uh, Jesus will make it clear to one of us, you know, what the right thing to do is. Sometimes that's the best we can do. Um, Even, I mean, there are topics where we're disagreeing and whoever is wrong is causing harm to a community. Uh, and I think that has to be taken into account in the way we, re, you know, we interact with each other going forward from that. But uh, that still doesn't mean we're going to figure it out in a day. Uh, it might take a long time for people to come to the place that they need to. Mm-hmm. It helps you both figure out, like, I don't, I don't even know if this is the right question to ask, but help, what helps you figure out whether or not someone is still worth talking to? about something (laughs) (laughs) that is legitimate (laughs) that's a great question um yeah that's a really great question i think it's a complex answer right Mm -hmm. there kathy and i are really different in a variety of ways we're different genders uh different ethnic backgrounds different racial categories different uh uh nationality backgrounds like all, all these things um and that can influence. Uh, there are people that Kathy may not be able to stay in conversation with that I could, and vice versa. Um, I My wife just told me this week that I am too naive and hopeful that people will change and I should cut them off sooner. Uh, and I was like, but they might change. Uh, and I think that is partly because of how I'm made and what I'm called to in the body of Christ. And that's okay. And it will always be frustrating to my wife. Who's made with a different set of things that she's designed to do. Um, yeah, I will stick with people longer than sometimes longer than I should, but I think longer than is typical. Um, and I think that's okay. Uh, I, I think it's also okay that there, if people are causing you or your community harm, it's okay to cut them off sooner, especially if they're not. The question is, are they engaging in good faith? And a lot of times they aren't. Um, I often find on social media, people are engaging with me because of the size of my platform. And if I just say to them, hey, I've made our conversation private, let's continue it, they will go away. Uh, so yeah, I don't have any time for those guys. Why would I talk to them? And what about you, Kathy? I'm sure it's different for you. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it. I think that there are uh, communities, individuals that you can stay in relationship with despite and because of disagreements in different ways than I can and vice versa. I think Mm -hmm. that you, um, (laughs) what Krista said to you, I I know we have talked about that you're, you're able and willing to hope for change. Um, so I don't know what the analogy is, but I feel like on that end, I'm probably more of like a tr- trauma surgeon and be like, just cut it off. <laughs> we got to cut <laughs> it off. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you have to, right? There's poison in the blood and it's coming oh, into yeah. the body. Absolutely. I think that's fair. Absolutely. Um, 
And I, and I think it speaks to our different social locations and the way people have interacted with us. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I am less prone to give people the benefit of the doubt when, um, their initial comments, response approach to me is one of kind of antagonistic, um, and, and threat. Right. And, and so I'm much more cautious. Um, but I do think that it is so much more, again, sorry, listeners, it's always complex. And that, again, (laughs) we are, I believe we can carry that complexity. So like Matt feels like people can change. I feel like people can deal with more complexity than we give ourselves credit for. And to say that it is really a case by case basis, Mm -hmm. right? There have been seasons in my life where I have had to cut people off, people I love, people I respect, Mm. people I cannot imagine not having a relationship with. Is it going to be forever? I didn't know at the time. But I had to decide that that relationship was causing too much harm, not only to myself, but to my family. And I think those Mm. are the types of things that as Christians, we need to be able to do with one another. So again, this is not an individual like checklist that you have for yourself, Caleb, and that Matt has for himself, but that we in community are discerning these things with and for one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think too, I, I think the community aspect is really important um, because we, we, we even tag people in, right? So my friend JR that we mentioned earlier, there are certain people I may not have patience for, but I'm like, oh, JR would love to go in circles with this person and try to help them see something that I am not willing to have that conversation again. It's just too much time. Mm-hmm. So I just tag JR and say like, hey man, what's your thoughts? Uh, on social media, he'll pop in there and have this conversation that I'm I'm just not gonna. And uh, I think there are people who have expertise on certain topics or certain transformations that need to happen in us that we can bring in that, um, you know, like uh, it, someone who's lost a child, right? Y- you want them talking to someone else who just lost a child, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can be true in our disagreements too. There are people who are in a position I've never been in, whose opinions I've never been where they are, that if I can find someone who's grown through it, they might be the better person to talk to them. And I can I can literally wash my hands of it and be done after one conversation. And that's okay. That's actually loving. That's actually kind. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the things that I want to make sure that we talk about and cover is actually found in this quote that you write, Kathy, and I want to I want to read it real quick, is um, you say, I found that moving others and myself toward honesty does more to remove conflict than anything else. There are hmm. too many people who take advantage, I mean, and this is what we talked about, there are too many people who take advantage of civility and secrecy to manipulate. And I'd love for you to just talk about the role that honesty plays in this in this conversation um around disagreements and loving disagreements yeah i mean how often are we really honest with ourselves about why we are in disagreement why we can't entertain a different opinion um what are we most afraid of in entering into spaces that are not like ours Um, And again, I'm going to, I'll go back to that example from the bear where Mm -hmm. 
I just keep thinking, you know, when she says, you know, I don't know how to apologize. I don't know how to say I'm sorry. I was gutted because I'm in this season of trying to understand my immigrant parents whose Mm. primary language is not English and how culturally bound their experiences and the Mm. same for me and how, even though I can say to my parents, I am sorry, it doesn't communicate the same thing as it would if I were really honest with myself and to expound on that, which is to say, um, I am selfish. <laughs> I I like being American in some contexts and having independence and not having to think about my ancestors and my parents mm. and my aunts mm. and uncles. Um, that honesty, I think one isn't necessarily going to lead us to a quicker resolution in disagreements, but I do think that it helps us be more human. Mm. And honestly, um, growing up in a Christian family and having experiences that did not allow for mistakes because everything that was a mistake was labeled as a sin. And that was just bad all around it. uh, It, pushed me to a place where I felt like I couldn't be human. I couldn't make mistakes. I couldn't be wrong. I couldn't admit I'm wrong. And so I think that Mm. somewhere in there is what you're getting at, Caleb, is that I couldn't be honest with myself because then am I a good Christian if I don't present myself in this really pure, perfect sort of way? Mm. Um, And gosh, if I look back large chunks of my evangelistic life like how much more attractive is my faith when it is humble Hmm. and honest and human than shiny perfect people all the time yeah yeah it's interesting when we share something vulnerable and honest even if it's something I think like Kathy, you're suggesting like, I'm not sure about this theological thing that I've been taught and I'm wrestling with it. Just saying that you discover that there's all these other people that have the exact same question. They've been holding it quietly to themselves because they don't want to get in trouble with somebody uh, or, or get shunned or, or yelled at that suddenly come out and go like, Oh, you're dealing with that too. Right, which actually builds community. Um, and sometimes it brings people that are like, I've been where you are and I'm through it on the other side. And can I help? Um, here's something that helped me. And that's beautiful. Uh, that's not even disagreeing. I mean, it's disagreement in the purest sense because you're in different places, but it's someone saying, let me help you get to where you want to be, which is incredible. Yeah. Well, I got one other question I want to ask, but before that, I always love 
giving people just the opportunity to talk about anything that we haven't covered so far that you want to make sure that we covered. I know that there's so many things that we could talk about in the book or anything just top of mind. Um, but does anything uh, stand out for either of you that you want to make sure that we talk about? I would just say that for me, and I won't speak for Kathy, I've learned my lesson there. Uh, <laughs> for me, we wrote this book not as experts. We didn't come in saying we always only have loving disagreements. We came in saying, let's look at what scripture says and what we learn and let's practice it together. And what I've found in this book is that just having written it, knowing the content in it keeps pushing me in moments I'm in a disagreement to stop and go, are these hallmarks of God being in my life as I disagree with someone are those present right now? And when they aren't, it's a good time for me to stop and take a breath and make sure why I'm in this conversation or like, what do I need to deal with to get to the right place? How do I invite God into this? And it has been incredibly challenging and at times upsetting. Like, oh, why did I write that book? Uh, why did God make me write that book? Why <laughs> did why did Nat Press invite us to write that book? Uh, and, and also really beautiful and helpful to like, I think it has changed the way I've approached some folks, uh, in my life and online. And I think, I think it's better. It, I mean, shocking, but apparently when God is helping you do things, it's better. Uh, so that's been nice. How about for you? Kathy? Yeah, Matt. Yeah. Matt and I had joked about, um, one of our fears and my fear really deeply like somebody would use my words against me right mm -hmm. like this is what mm -hmm. you said why are you like this um <laughs> and when i think about that i think that that says something about uh the state of christianity and mm. public faith that two christian authors <laughs> writing about disagreement would honestly fear that mm -hmm. our words would be used against us. Mm. And that my That's hope is not that that doesn't come true, but that if it were to, that that is an opportunity for me or Matt to respond, not in the way we may have before, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm to to really mm -hmm. continue to practice the things that we wrestled with because oh dear listeners we did wrestle with the content <laughs> of this book it was not easy i feel to... like i'm still wrestling with it and it's published <laughs> we are mad we are it it was not easy i mean there were there were things where there even at the beginning it was like so which ones do you want to write about because i know i don't want to write about these <laughs> so i i do you know... want to let listeners in on that is mm -hmm. it we did I, not enter into this like, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting. Part of the issue, honestly, as I reflect on it, is that our culture as Christians has built something unhealthy about the way we disagree. Mm -hmm. So what is happening is as we're looking at scripture, as we're thinking about how God describes how we should disagree with each other and it doesn't match, it creates friction. Uh, and there are these moments where it's like, 
oh, this thing I've done my whole life in the Christian community is actually in opposition to the way that Jesus talks about us interacting with each other. And that's weird. It feels bad. Um, but that's because we're growing. That's because we're changing. We're being transformed. The fruit is coming to life in our lives. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's an interesting thing. Just the cultural value of how we disagree. We like Protestants, right? We're like Martin Luther. Get up there and yeah, you, you get a hammer and you stick it in the wall and then you fight everybody for the rest of your life. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I don't know that. Not that I'm not saying Martin Luther was evil or anything like that. I'm just saying. And he was a product of his time and blah, 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 blah. But um, I don't see a lot of moments in Martin Luther's life where you're like, oh, yeah, he was obviously filled with the spirit in that moment of disagreement. Um, yeah, which, oh, that might have been too controversial to say, but we'll we'll leave it out there for the audience to decide. <laughs> uh, uh, well, last thing I want to ask um, you is, you know, through this process, I'd be curious to hear what's one thing about learning to uh, lovingly disagree that you learned from each other? <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. Which one thing is really the question? I, I'm not having trouble thinking of something. Um, well, I can say that I continue okay. to learn how... Um, and this is not like a snarky, this is genuinely um, how kind Matt is um, that, uh, so we've been saying this in a lot of our interviews lately, Matt and I currently are not in a disagreement with each other. We are in no. a, a disagreement with um, someone else and uh he and I come at it from different places. Our, our knee jerk reactions are very different. Mm -hmm. um, but even in the knee jerk reactions, I am, uh, I am, and this is again, not like a snarky, I am blessed and challenged by Matt's kindness because it is so pastoral. It is not just like a syrupy, he's nice and kind and saccharine, but that he is genuinely, even in this conflict with these other people, curious and concerned for their spiritual well-being in the midst of this conflict. I am not. <laughs> you know, to be very That's honest, like true. that has not been the way I lead. That has not been okay. You know, that 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 comes to mind eventually, usually after Matt, you have said something <laughs> in the context of that conflict. And I'm like, oh yeah, yes. How is the spirit working in you? And what do you need? That is I don't lead with that. I don't, it doesn't even come halfway. Like it's at the very end. Um, and really because you've said something in that place. And so uh, Matt and I have been podcasting for years together and we have joked as co-podcast um, hosts and we've kind of taken this very informal poll and Matt is like the nicest one. But in like, truth be told, he is kind and the kind of kind that um, makes 
may want Jesus to continue to transform my heart. Because hmm. I'm not always often like kind in that way. I can be very superficially kind, but in that, like, I really do care deeply. Um, so that, that is what I've learned. Wow. I feel, I feel really moved right now. How do, how do I say something now? Um, thank you, Kathy. I, there are so many things with Kathy. I, I I'll just say two. One is I love, so again, taking this example of right now, we're in this disagreement with a third party and Kathy, there's this piece of her that wants to deal with it because she has been wronged or I've been wronged. We've been wronged, but also Kathy is so focused on the community and the needs of other people and has been so quick to say, this is not something we can leave undealt with because it's going to harm other people, not just us. It would be easier, honestly, for us to have just kind of gone like, okay, well, that was terrible and like walk away. And Kathy's been like very focused on the other people who will be helped if we can actually deal with this thing, uh, which I think is really beautiful and not, not my first instinct. Um, like I'm very protective of the people directly close to me but I don't often think of the greater community in the way that Kathy does. Um, the other thing that Kathy is really gifted in is she's so wise. Uh, she doesn't, her ideas of how to approach and deal with something, it's not just knowledge. It's not just smart. It's like something where you hear it and you go, oh, that's something that's going to work because Kathy understands and cares about people, uh, which is which is really amazing and something I'm trying to get better at. Um, the, I'll, I'll do one more too, because why not? Uh, the, the other thing that I'm learning from, from Kathy, we talked about how I, I tend to be, I'm more ambassadorial, right? Like I'm going to take my time to slowly get us to the thing uh, and try to say it in the, the nicest way possible, not even the kindest way. Um, one thing I really appreciate about Kathy is she recognizes that it is a kindness to be forthright with people. I'm not saying the spiritual power of truth. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that she's like, let's not leave, let's not leave confusion about what we're discussing. Let's not leave uncertainty about where the disagreement is. She's very clear. She's kind, but she's very clear in saying like, let's just say it in a way. So there's no question which I think sometimes I've had times where I've been in a disagreement with someone and they walk away feeling really good and feeling like I'm on their side, right? Because I haven't said it clearly the way I needed to. So I feel like Kathy's really been helping me in that even too. Uh, and there's there's more. I could say more for sure. Um, I will say being in a disagreement together with Kathy is really delightful. I don't want to be in a disagreement with her, but I like being together with her in a disagreement. It's been really good for both of us, I feel like. Yeah, it has. It has. Thank you, Matt. Well, I want to say thank you for thank you to the both of you. Thank you for this great conversation. And I know that people are going to want to catch up or keep up with the both of you and get the book, you know, Loving Disagreement. Where's the best place for people to go to keep up with the both of you and get the book? Um, they can order the book from their favorite local bookstore. Um, or yeah. they can go and um, 
go to Hearts and Minds um, and get the book there. We'll give you the link so you can put it in the show notes. Folks can find me. I'm mostly on Instagram and I'm trying to stay on threads and leave that other hellscape. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. So it's at yeah. Ms. M.S. Kathy Kong, my name. Uh, yeah. And if you can spell my name, you can find me on pretty much any um, any social media, which is a big ask, I know. But uh, yeah, if you want to see me behaving really well and doing a good job on these things, come to Facebook, where I'm typically very kind and an excellent maestro of conversations. If you want to catch me messing up, uh, Twitter is typically the best place for that. But I am trying to get off Twitter as well, because I've recognized it's toxic. Uh, and I've been kind of messing around with Blue Sky, but maybe I should be messing around on threads. I don't know. But yeah, so I'm on all the everything. Just look for my name. Awesome. Well, thank you both for being on the podcast today. Thanks for the great conversation. And just thank you for doing the work and for sharing it with us. Thanks, Caleb. It's a pleasure. Thanks. So reflected on this conversation, one of the, one of the things that it got me thinking about and that I've been thinking about for a while is how how do you lower your defensiveness in conversations to where you could get emotionally uh, charged or, or just riled up because of maybe different things that happened in your past or your experience in it and and just realizing from my own life that sometimes my defensiveness can get in the way of productive dialogue and trying to think through and pay attention to, okay, where, where am I a little bit more sensitive? What are, and, and even noticing where I'm, where I'm a little bit more sensitive at when my, when my defensiveness rises and, and instead of lashing back of engaging with curiosity of of either in, in myself and understanding okay what caused that defensiveness or taking a breath and then re-engaging and finding finding different ways to to not react with maybe maybe a really strong emotion but how to how to respond in a in a loving way. It, it really gets me thinking about two separate quotes that I've heard fairly recently. And one is from Florence Nightingale, and it's this. The size of the man is directly related to the size of the problems he gets concerned with. And realizing that there's, there's some things that maybe trigger us that our response is disproportional to to the actual thing that happened and maybe we make it bigger than than what it is and and one of the things that i like about that quote is that there are some things to to respond to there are some things to be really concerned about the major things that are happening in our world or even happening in, in our life and making sure that we are concerned with those things and not concerned with lesser things 
And the other, the other quote that it has me thinking about is this from Dallas Willard. And he says, you know, I think a mature Christian is someone who is very difficult to offend. And I think that's what I, where I want to be. And that's what's got me thinking about this defensiveness as well is, is, is both of those quotes together. How can I, um, not become not easily offended while at the same time being concerned about things that really do matter as well. So those are just a couple of thoughts that I'm thinking about right now. And uh, if you want to continue to learn from me or from me, please subscribe to my Substack, to where I give different recommendations of things that I'm learning from. And it could be things like the, the quotes that I just mentioned to really just anything that is making me really think or engage my curiosity as well. And so I think that's all that I have for today. So I do want to say thank you to Kathy and to Matt for the great conversation. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode. And thank you to Sam Massey for creating the music for this episode as well. My name is Caleb Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.